You are now listening to Well, Well, Filling Out. Oh my, oh my God, did she just murder him? <laughs> oh no, his pussiness. Misandry. <laughs> yes, misandry. Oh, poor man. Ladies, serial killers are the best. Well, she's never going to get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? Wait, how big were her breasts? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. What up? Fellow clowns and friends. Woo, woo, woo. Killing Eve Walters. Killing Eve Sufferers. Right. <laughs> Killing Eve Connoisseurs. Yes. yes. How are we doing? How How was the bite? How was the aftertaste? Today? Yeah. It's not good. It's Buckley's, mm. man. It's... It's that shit from that strange plant my no, mom gave me as a child. Actually, it is bitter. It is not good. You said strange plant. I was thinking of hereditary. Oh, um, you know that it was that was that the green. It was like a I don't know what kind of plant that was. The way that I'm erasing it from my mind. I, I, you know what? I'm gonna do the same. But yes, um, it's been a week for us to sit in um, in just uh, what we were presented. Yeah, like. We've seen some things online recently, some messages, some DMs that some of y'all clowns are still clowning out there. Peak clownery, because you think there could be an episode nine that is coming this Easter Sunday. I mean, Oof. a part of me like understands no, I the get it. jaunt. I, I understand do. the need. It's fucking sad, actually, Terrence. Like, it is sad that people are still so unwilling to just fully sit with the depravity that Laura Neal has visited upon our eyes and our existence, that you're reaching for anything. That's what grief does. This is the denial stage. No, yeah. I don't know why I was thinking this is of the conspiracy stage. I was thinking of the next generation with um when Picard was uh attacked by the toxins and what was that? Was it season six? I want to say episode I mean, seven, know, eleven. That similar. Uh, where the guy was flashing four lights, but wanting him to say that there were five lights flashing, and he was like, mm -hmm. "It was sensory deprivation. It was like it was essentially torture." Well, this is. I think it's an outlet also providing just like an additional rope of hope. It's like, oh, I can cling to this hope. I can cling to this feeling of possibility for three more days, four more days, until it's ripped from me again. And that's why I sent a tweet of concern, because I am concerned. Uh, particularly for the gaybies, for the younger Killing Eve watchers, who just really invested for obvious reasons. I do believe that Villanelle is the first, as every time a queer property comes out, that there's a character there that's going to be the first for somebody somewhere. Oh, Villanelle yeah. is widely known, a lot of critical acclaim, deservedly so. We remember what the ratings were doing that first season. They oh, kept increasing. Yep, wait, 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 wait. We talked about it. So it makes sense but you know i just want you guys to be careful be safe cherish your hearts safeguard that because i really don't think lauda cares that much and perhaps not at all about the queer audience given Actually, what she's done no, i think truth. she potentially resents us potentially fucking hates us and so while in some reality maybe it would be nice to get an episode nine it's really not because the way that that abuse would be Right. To have people thinking and suffering, people crying, going through it, all the op-eds that have come out, just for you to be like, psych, here's an episode. That would be especially callous and, and villainous. Some of these op-eds are from, you know, Hollywood Reporter. And I would fly to the They're UK. from Deadline. I would start that so fight like, for that. So, like, these are, like, big 
outlets right. who would know right. ahead right. of time if an they episode nine was high. Because somebody has to know. Someone right. has to be in the know. Someone gets the screeners. Right. And so, no one said to have a I'm screener so for episode nine. I'm so sorry that we don't have an episode nine. And I honestly do not believe that Louder deserves any more time or opportunity with the incredible thespians that were on Killing Eve. It is what it is. She had her opportunity. She squandered it. She thought she did something. And she did do something. And oh, it was embarrass herself. She found a way to with rally. With those answers and no. her fucking answers yeah. in a fucking article with I was the horribly s- shot and well, written wow. episode. Sorry. Wow. I'm just keeping it 100 because I didn't no, know what was true. happening in the last no. few minutes. I was confused. Yeah, And that happens if you don't block and, and do things correctly so that it's clear to the audience what's happening. You know, as a kid, me growing up, as a wee wee lad, I used to watch cartoons where there would be mobs, angry mobs of people with pitchforks and things on fire, torches. And those, they would only show up to attack like the weatherman because the weatherman got the weather wrong. Now, this is bigger than the weather to me. <laughs> and and this yes. is this is where I would try to rally as many people as possible to be like, see me. Come come to Brooklyn. I just want to talk. Catch but I also want right. to I also might want to tar and feather you, but I would give you the opportunity to tomato, say tomato, your piece. tomato, tomato. Right. Like what right. people were doing in Chilling Eve. Because they were like I frenemies. Saw all those tomatoes. Frenemies. Hey, <laughs> let's talk about the frenemies, even Villanelle. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Eve's return to heterosexuality. Let's talk about it. Let's recap Villanelle's alleged demise. Here, look at the photo. Look at the footage of Villanelle. They were so out of touch, so right. callous. So I was like, tone rude, them. so mean. No. An yeah. extra episode? I'm sorry, friends. No way. No I way don't these people are that awful. An episode. I don't want anything else from right. them. It's over. The relationship is done. We have broken the fuck up. All right. And it was a nasty breakup. It's a breakup where we we not cool. We're no, not cool. we were we were abused. No. And if we feel abused in our big age, we can only imagine what that feels like for someone who is just for the first time seeing a glimpse of something that could be an awakening for them. Well, it's not even just about an awakening. I mean, because it is that for some people. It's about representation. Like, whether or not you were already an awakened queer, because there were certainly many awakened queers who were young and followed and are into Villanelle for obvious fucking reasons, as well as people awoken by Eve or Villanelle. It's really about representation. It's about how she was coded, how she lived her life on screen, and what has happened to her in the end. And so that is that is what's fucked up. That is what is tragic, quite frankly. <sighs> You know, the writers and the creators were entrusted with a privilege and they squandered that privilege. <laughs> the chips yeah. have fallen where they may and they, they have laid. They are there. They're on the ground. The reviews are in and it's bad, y'all. It's worse than Game of Thrones bad. And I, the way we were scared about this at uh, the beginning of the season, preseason and snacks, we y'all already know, but it has come fucking true. So I just hope that, you know, you guys have been doing your best to cope, to continue living life, leaning on your friends, leaning on your fellow clowns, which is probably one of the best ideas because they get it. Agreed. They get it in a way that other people will not get it. And some of you I know are coping by seeing um, Prima Fauci. Jody's new performance, Prima, The West End. I saw some tweets. Uh, (laughs) I saw, it was a photo and it was, I guess, a stage door with Jody and all I saw were gals. And I said, not Jody's fan base saying women. (laughs) But really, that's what it is. And there's a number of actresses out there. They're like, I know the majority of my fan base is the gals. They're there. It's the known men. And so I love that for her. But I did see other tweets that were like, not Santa 33 choking mm-hmm. us in this book. <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine Jody Cobra like, coming off fucking stage like, uh, not my fucking son. <laughs> <laughs> 
So these are my fans, huh? These are clowns. I see, mm-hmm. I see, I see. But that's great. That's nice that that's there. That a show has ended for fans who are located in the UK and can get out and see some fucking art, a play, and experience a thespian that they enjoy doing some other work that people are saying is good. Fantastic. I saw a lot of y'all without a mask on. <laughs> I don't know what's happening with Rona. Right. In the UK and fucking London, but I guess the Destiny's Child variants aren't out there because they are surely doing the devil's work, the Omarion work in New York. So what y'all doing over there in the UK? Rhetorical. But maybe think about a mask. I don't know. I just feel like that picture of the crowd. I was like, why are there so many faces? Uh uh Like, I could just see faces. Uh I don't see. What? So that was interesting. But, you know, I'm glad to see people have been coping in the various ways in which they can cope. Maybe you've tried to do some palate cleansing with a favorite old show or you've jaunted off to a new show. I know one of our friends jaunted into Black Sales as a bit of a palate oh, cleanse. yeah. And he has experienced quite the cleanse because... And, you know, now that Killing Eve has gone the way that it does, I suppose it's even more of a reason to talk about Black Sales because we'll talk about one of the most unexpected, decidedly queer properties that gives happy endings to multiple fucking queers spoiler spoiler they straight bait they straight bait and they say not only do we have more than one queer but we're not gonna bury them so spoiler spoiler i just think there's contrast there and the way he was screaming in my ears just yesterday about oh it's finished black sales i can't believe it's amazing oh my god since this is everything game of thrones wasn't how did they manage right if you've not watched black sales there's too much going on for me to really spoil it for you outside of what to look for. There are queers on the show. I haven't identified which queers for you. That which is queers true. Live. You didn't. So I right. didn't do that. I just say that queers make it out. And so you can guard yourself with that to be like, oh, it won't be total tragedy. And they straight bait. Don't you want to see that? Where do you see people straight baiting? Where do you see the heads getting baited? And then it's like, oh, this person's gay the whole time. So There's only one property, but I won't even bring that up. But it's, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed the fucking play. I hope you guys have enjoyed all of the the absolutely scathing takedown reviews of Lauren Dale. I hope that these reviews have been a bomb to your fucking soul. All right. And may the degradation and humiliation follow Lauren Neal. For all of her days, Terrence. And so and Jesus cries. No, yeah. And Jesus Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Because I mean that shit. I mean that shit. It's what she deserves. Y'all, the homophobia that leaped out in these articles, the hate for queers. I'm sorry. The resentment for queers. I'm sorry. The way she said, happy queers. Where do they do that at? I don't know that. I I never heard about that. I don't know who that is. I don't know who does that, but not me, not Laura Neal. We have to send the queers to the next realm. We have to kill them, then send them to the next realm. The celestial realm. Because this realm is not safe for queers. The Christian realm. European Jesus realm. Because queers don't get to be happy. And if they're happy, they don't get to live, don't you see? It's one or the other. Either you die right after happiness, like Villano, or you live in pain, like Eve, until you wash the gay away. Someone Naturally. just Naturally. just run up on Laura Neal with a, a live camera and say, is it true that you said that all queers deserve to die? And I just want to see her response no. in the moment. She got so many people big mad. I know she probably has half of Latinidad right now plotting her downfall with Santeria and Sapphic Magic. I just... <laughs> wow, actually, you know I just what? feel like somebody is doing something jaunty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> actually... Somebody has tried to do it. Terrence, like fucking little Kim. Wanna bumble with the B. Ha! Bzz. Her hex on your whole family. family. Right. Wow. Just all black, black like, like the, the oven. <laughs> hey, your friend saying this is for my homie. And you, you know me. Right. Well. Anyways, that was me throwing a certain kind of hex. Because you know what? Throw as many hexes as possible. As like you might just wake possible. up in the morning and be like, fuck Lord Neil. Right. And that is the hex in and of itself. Right. You can just add that to your words of affirmation. I'm strong. I'm invincible. Fuck, fuck Lord Neil. Neil. Right. right. Because the way we have to make sure 
that Laura never writes for a queer character ever again. I'm not fucking with it. I know people said Sally Wainwright fucked up with a lesbian on, was it Last Tango in Halifax? Uh, oh, well, that show she did. The, where she, it, well, it she took boundaries. But that's not, that's not what I'm getting at. Oh, yeah. I'm saying that she, having spent a decade working towards Ann Lister and then doing the right things, employing the right people to not fuck up again with the queer storylines. Like, what has happened with Villanelle is beyond whatever Sally did in that show. Because not only do I not know about it, clearly that show was not big enough in terms of being an international yep. phenomenon the way Killing Eve was, thus making the mandate of responsibility higher. And yes. also the show is more recent than the show that from too. Sally. So, you can't say, oh, I was young, we were young, no. On a bubble with the bee, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's the way it's not an excuse. Bastards. You knew the risks when you signed on to be on one of the more popular TV series of your time. And then you decided to do this with the property. You decided to do this yes. with the thespians. You That's decided shit to do got this. Me fucked up. And as a production company, when you're seeing your series mature, you go, oh, we didn't sign a big enough check to secure PWB. We didn't sign a oh, big enough oh, check to keep Kirby Howell Baptiste. What oh, about, we didn't sign a big what enough about check to the keep... men, Terrence? Because not me realizing that cis hat fucking men wrote a better ending. A cis hat fucking man wrote a better ending for Villanelle and Eve than the fucking hashtag feminism girl boss all girls all right all women gaslight gatekeep <laughs> ha 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 right queer who happy where did do that at we don't know <laughs> we don't know we're Barbie girls in the Barbie world look at all these women directors look at them look at them directing isn't it fantastic look isn't at this game changer look at how these women are kowtowing to the patriarchal rules but it's women though so but why as a all Woman, everything are we now that catering is not, to the male gaze? But that is not the definition of intersectionality. Oh, that too. You can't just say all women. Oh, are there intersections within the show? Ah, queerness, mm, Asian. So if you're not hitting those intersections in your women, then what are we doing? What are we doing? Are we doing the best? No, we're not. And so maybe stop patting yourself on the fucking back. Maybe take a bit of that ego, dial it the fuck down. Yep. Because what I'm reading in these articles is not it's not humility. It is not awareness of what the fuck you did. It is callousness. It is mean. And I think it is so fucked up. The ending of Killing Eve was so cruel that I believe now that Laura Neal is a fucking bully. She's a bully. That's where I'm at. And my mama said, bully should be bullied. That's what she taught me. I like that advice. Three years old. Stand up for the people who need help. And I'm just here. I'm here with this energy. I'm feeling like I was trying to think of a really jaunty bitch, a really dangerous bitch. I'm on my go-go. And I'm on my go-go. I like Kill Bill in defense of the queer babies. They didn't deserve this. And they, they didn't deserve not. this. We thought we were so beyond this. We thought we were safe. Because of how subversive this show was only for Lauda to rip the rug and laugh in our fucking faces. And after she laughs in our faces, she spit in our fucking faces with her homophobic fucking rant. So whatever. <sighs> the way we will be up and down in this no, recording. No, like I right. tried, like I, I feel right. sad that I feel mad. Right. A bitch isn't gonna cry in this recording. Tensions are high. But tensions are high. Tensions are fucking high. Because anger is totally a thing that happens as you grieve. But this that I'm experiencing, it's something else. It's something else that has been simmering for like past week. No, yeah. Into a kind of boil since Sunday. And bully the bullies, y'all. And I'm convinced at this point that Laura is truly a bully. Her words and conduct unbecoming have demonstrated such wanton disregard for queer audiences and really, I would say, any audience member of Killing Eve since no one is happy, truly, let alone having some respectful concepts of logic, kindness, mathematics, science. 
or, you know, just fucking empathy. And none of that was present in these articles. None of those things were present in any of the articles we have been sent that we have found in the wake of the end of Killing Eve. They said you get what you get. I don't mm, I don't know where they do that at. Yeah. So it's not even like just me seeing Lauda as a bully right now. But I also think she's just mean. <laughs> just fucking mean, Terrence, because the ending was mean. Oh, it, it was. was. Mean. There's no other way, really, to describe it for me. I mean, there's other ways to describe it, but to just put it succinctly, just put it down in one word, it was mean. This is the kind of ending a writer gives you when they actually resent their fucking audience because I, I don't fucking get it. And I'm trying to figure out what the fuck we did. What do we do? Besides be queer, jaunty, and hopeful <laughs> to upset Lauda so much. It's it's weird. It's the energy of she like, said, fuck y'all. How do you, it, it's like when a writer or a showrunner goes through a breakup and they say, you know what? Everybody's dying because I'm having a bad day. Right. And it's like, you have to be careful of the power that you wield. Wield it carefully. Wield it with care. But that's not what's been happening. And you would think with nearly a century of hats and others making really poor decisions oh with queer God. characters that a century, a century into media creation, we would have an evolution. And yet here we are. Here we are. With Lauda's, what do we call this? Her... Um, her Killing Eve casserole? Oh. Her... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is her magnus <laughs> opus? Like, what is this? Mm. I, mm, it's, this is, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm sure someone out there is like, everyone's overreacting. I'm doing that much. And I would, I Who's would ask. That? Who's, well, there, would, we have seen some comments where people are trying to detract from what people are feeling. Gaslighting yeah. is certainly a thing. Yes. I'm sure we will mention some of those things we've run into, but let's let's try and be esoteric and employ perhaps some stream of consciousness with the listeners and talk about how we felt during the finale and after the finale. You can go first. Uh, what I'll tell you is that there is a, a vibration that would usually send shockwaves into the <laughs> sapphic verse and queers who have the seventh sense like mastered, they know what that sensory... Uh, I don't want to call it a ripple, but uh, essentially that ripple, right, that shockwave, they know what that is. So it's like, wow, something big and queer just happened. It's major. <laughs> and even it's though seismic. I, right, someone queer experienced an, an amazing thing. And we're we're about to all share in that joy. And so we know what that feeling is. And so we are moments from the finale when we knew that AMC Plus had it available for those who paid to get it early and there was no shockwave. Oh, that was already the wow. moment. Facts. Bad news. Facts. Bad news was it's already facts. in the air. It wasn't feeling good. It's like when we opened the group chat and I told you I saw fucking Neff like Candace and Terrence I'm so and I was like <laughs> and I, right. And I told goodbye. you I was like they're sending messages. Like no, I, right. was, I, I said no. I was no. off the grid. I already no. knew. I was like there was nothing good. It's 7am. No and one has I, nothing to say. I was trying to be the most optimistic thing I could conjure it just like there's no smash why but i was really fearing i was fearing the worst i had to mentally do every bad thing that could possibly happen i said let's do all the bad things let's do half of the bad things let's do the arrangement of bad things where they would get the most intense hate and i was doing that mentally while at work i was doing that mentally on my way to the studio i was doing that mentally when i went to go buy the liquor and the champagne <laughs> when i told you that that non-queer who was running the shop and i said oh this is in case we have a good or a bad finale for killing you and he was like oh you know i like season one but then you know they tried to make it about like a romance thing and then i stopped watching it and i was like what show were you Wait, you know what it was always about romance i almost you refunded fool? the 
champy, but I was running out of time. There wasn't enough time for me to yell at the shop owner. I was like, you know what? Have a good day. Have a good day. And I, again, with all of those thoughts, mm. here I am in the studio, and I'm like, all right, how are they going to screw me over? I already know it's coming. How are they screwing me? And then the minutes started to tick, and I said, there's no rising action. I said, the minutes started to tick, and I said, there's no conflict. The minutes uh, started to tick, and I was like, there's 10 minutes left. Where is the conflict? Was there watch. was five minutes left, and I said, there is nothing that could happen that I could plot and say will make sense and that people will be satisfied with. And then here we are, three minutes remaining. <laughs> Don't you mean we did it? Yeah, but mostly me. And oh, they said like two minutes we are no, no, right, right, right. No, but it felt like it barely fifty seconds, right? But yes. And then they said, you know what? This is how we are going out. And I mean, I can't even give anybody college credit for that. And these are people college who are paid, credit. and they're college unions credits. that keep certain people grouped together as a writers' room, like. Uh, is there not a way to have queers infiltrate these places and say, we are tired? Because that's all I want. I want queers to be able to infest these dude bro spaces. And even the girl boss spaces that are upholding well, the dude bro the, Clearly the girl, agendas. right, exactly. They're kiki into the patriarchal beach. I need beach. queers to infest these spaces and go, you know what? This story that you want to tell has been told ad nauseum. It's but time also, for something different. I'm, like, Lauda's taking me to the point where, honestly, and many queers have already felt like you can't trust the fucking head. Like, you can't. No, right. Because we've been hurt too many times. Right. There's too much ridiculousness. There's too many things we've been forced to watch that don't make any sense. And so it's hard to trust the head. And then they try to tell you things and make it seem like they have some degree of understanding. But it's like anything else. And, you know, part of, like, the discourse academic and otherwise social media discourse whatever for the past five years has had a lot to do with representation and what that means mm. and what is actually good representation and part of that is not just the visual aesthetic person that you put in the story but the people who have command over the story do right. they match does anyone match with any power the demographic of the story you're trying to tell do they have some degree of authenticity especially when you're dealing with marginalized identities that have already taken the brunt of bullshit Shit. When it comes to media creation yep. and tropes and stereotypes and bigotries and all that nonsense. But it seems history as a guide for the creators of Killing Eve was not there. They said books were books. And they sourced nothing. They cited nothing but their own egos, I might imagine, to justify what has happened here as if it is original, as if it is fresh, as if it is needed or, to quote many, inevitable. Inevitable? No. But I'll get to that. I'll get to that later. So... Was that you done? Did you have words to say about your after the finale? You described going up to the finale, but what is after the finale been like for you? People saw you on the live, drunk as hell. Y'all remember. Mm -hmm. um, with your manic rants, for those who watched. But what has the week been like? What has uh, potentially dawned on you, occurred to you? How's it been? Well, I will say that I did stop hearing about the slap. And that felt good because I was tired of being at work where people were like, but your opinion on this thing that happened, People it was outrageous, right? People talking about the slap, but the way my timeline was flooded with killing you stuff. <laughs> no, I, no, right, right. I, right. Who cares it's gone, about the slap? Right. I haven't seen What's the thing. If right. there's still discourse, we don't know about it. Right. That's for sure. Right. And so, but just to have people at work not also talk to me about a slap felt good. It was like, finally, a story that is 
over. But during the week, me just seeing all the spaces pop up, me knowing that I can't go in those spaces because I'm literally at work, but I would love, love to jump in head first and start yelling. But instead, all I could do is find a group of tweets that I like and go heart or if I speak or let me retweet this or bookmark this or wow. It's more than just a few of us that feel this way. It felt good to see the outpouring of essentially it was like worldwide support for the thought process of y'all didn't have to do this like this extremely violent and so even though there were some plants in the of course webs being like oh y'all get off of it it's imaginary who cares about what's in the house and and being extremely insensitive, being extremely uh, tone deaf, mm. almost as tone deaf as break out the champagne. We're doing Chilling Ooh. Eve as an event right and after you have everybody try to brace with it. You didn't give anybody Frenemies. time to embrace Frenemies. with Chilling the Eve. fact that Villain was Can't leave out no the longer frenemies. there. Can't leave out that frenemies comment <laughs> that some people tweeted about, and then we heard it for ourselves. And Chilling Eve, Terrence is just looking from left to right. I don't know what you're looking for. No, no, Fence, right. you won't right. find it. Right, so there's that, none here. That is what I'm looking frenemies. for. Frenemies, frenemies. Y'all said a MacGuffin is what's taking our ladies out. Well, one, because you told you told us for sure Villanelle was there for sure. That's what y'all told us. And then y'all said the end and ladders. That's what y'all did Whatever. to us. Y'all gave us a brand new MacGuffin. We already had a MacGuffin. Mm, 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 mm. And today's, you know, more articles start to appear. They were not positive. These articles were, were not positive. No. And then the IMDb score started to fall. Ooh, right. And it kept falling. Right. And I was like, it's not right. going to drop below 3.8. Right. It's not going to drop below 3.4. It's not going to drop below 3.1. <laughs> Except that it did. Except that it Except did. Except that it did. I wonder what it's at right now. Last I checked, it was at like 2.7. Uh, I feel it like was under I three. checked at 2.4, but it may oh. have went up to 2.7. Maybe heads. someone's writing, right. I think had to write time. emergency five-star reviews to try to keep their heads above water. I actually know five of a star. company that used to force the employees to have created fake reviews for their services to battle negative reviews. Well, so it is not. It is still at 2.7. Oh, wow. As of this recording with about 5,000 votes. And when it was initially Ooh. like in the two category, it was like a thousand, a thousand. Uh-huh. Right. So more people are coming. More people uh-huh. have watched and been incensed enough to log in to IMDb because there's a lot of times I watch movies or things and it pisses me off. And I'm like, let me go to IMDb and rate it. But as soon as they tell me to log in, I'm like, forget it. It's a lot. All right. It's like too much. No, it's too right. much. The way that I logged in. No. No, right, no, no, no. Yeah. This is like one of those. You ever I have a bad in. experience at a restaurant and you're I like, I'm in. going to call corporate and tell corporate about this. And it's like, most people will say that, but they won't, they don't need to follow through. This was, this no, was we through. are following was, through. We doing that. And, and the dissatisfaction, that ripple. <laughs> started hitting a bunch of people that have nothing to do with killing you to the point where they now know it exists. Right. Where people are like, you know what? I feel like there's hate being flown through people. I want in on this hate. I need to know what's going on. And then they're going in. And then they're watching Killing Eve. And then they are equally incensed. Imagine the people who binge. Because (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> talk like, about getting slapped in the fucking face. No, yes. Right? Because luckily for us, the enjoying part of Killing Eve is it what we lingered. have. For no, those of right. us who were watching it live in 2018. All those years ago, yes. Right. And then living with the euphoria in real time, having to go week to week, and it was against the binging thing that a lot of people were doing and sort of preferring at the time, like Jessica Jones, shit like that. And it was week to week, and we were fucking rabid for more content in between the breaks. That's why we have a fucking podcast and ended up doing all this shit we're doing here right now uh-huh. was because we just needed to talk into the void initially and then some of you queers started talking back to where we are right now that I can't imagine what it's like to just like ingest killing you right. and to start on that high and be like ow ow like the fucking Portlandia fucking sketch <laughs> more 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 and then you get to series three and you're like oh this okay is, yeah, yeah. Oh, alright yeah, right, yeah. right, right. but you get to the end and you're like yes so the final season is gonna be the shit it's gonna be everything I want bam and then you get to series four and you're like no way to goddamn second right 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 even slapping Villanelle across the vest the fuck there, is this like like where, why is she so angry where, where's epi- what where, where's season 3.5 because a something why is, a is missing what right. is a foe the fuck is this y'all, huh? y- y'all missed y'all playing around y'all oh we're flashing back and we flashing like, back to 3.5 no do you think that's part of it that they take for granted the fact that the bulk of their audience was watching in real time. Like that statement Sandra made in one of those interviews, like when she was asked about how much time was there and she was like, oh, like the Panini, two years. That that excuse would have been harder to use if there wasn't actually a two year fucking break between series three and four. There was no way they would be able to use that excuse. But why was she the only one on that page? Why was she the only one No, who but thought? I mean like, like the excuses the writers gave themselves to say we can have this time jump and never explain it. Because time has actually passed? No, I think that that was what they always wanted to <laughs> oh, do. And it was wow. always a bad idea. Well, you know what? Idea. Since this feels nefarious at this they, point. They felt then, like, sure. they felt like, you know what? Suzanne Heathcote, we're going to show you how to do a time jump right. That's what I feel like they were on. I think they were on their bigger than Jesus. We were handpicked to do Killing Eve the final season. Um, we we are indestructible. We are what? too big to fail. Well, and then that's okay. what they gave us. I guess. I, I, I believe that's what they were on. It was all ego and vibes. Ego and vibes. Ego and vibes. Bad vibes. All the bad vibes. The kind of vibes that make you have a harsh trip if you're doing the psychedelics. Because, my God, the way Laura is a villain. A straight villain to me. So, yeah, so your week ended out, what, just end raging against the articles or celebrating with the articles? or It was me knowing the articles were there and going, screw these articles. I, I was I it was I was not hard pressed to find things to echo what I was stating because I already knew my stance and what it was based off of. But it felt it was pleasing to see that you know what? Even though I'm the type of person that needs to grieve on my own first and independent from the world, that I had to make space for the fact that other people were also suffering. And that's a process. Because when I first lost Amy Winehouse, I said, I lost Amy Winehouse. Yes, the world lost Amy Winehouse, but I lost Amy Winehouse. It felt deeply personal. And and y'all said, MTV, here's Bruno Mars doing a trip to Amy Fuck Bruno Mars! I didn't have time to listen to a Bruno Mars sing an Amy Winehouse song as a tribute for what? For who? It wasn't for for me. It it didn't satisfy me in the least. I didn't need it personally. And that's just how I felt in the moment because I was still heavy in my grieve mode. And for Villanelle, I'm still in a huge chunk in that mode where... I mean, if you'd have given me just days before the finale, people doing skits, dressing up as the characters, doing TikToks and things, I would watch all of those things. But y'all telling me now that somebody might be doing some things about those things now, they're going to sit there until I feel like I'm ready to look at them and then appreciate them for what they are. Because I don't have time right now 
Right now, I don't have time. Yeah. Where, where's the chaos magic? Where's Where's Wanda? Fix Fix this all. Right? Fix it. Oh, Wanda. Turn it all back to the. I will go to whichever verse you're in, Wanda. Right? Whichever fucking universe. Ugh. Because this yeah. is the ghetto. But it didn't need to be. I'm in the, the ghetto. ghetto called Killing Eve. Like did writers? Did you did you get that house that you wanted? Did your car get any bigger? <laughs> Not the, the Gabriel. Right, Gabriel no, no, no. Right. What will you say? Did you get the at, engagement? Right. What will you say? Was it worth it, bitch? At my funeral, now that you've killed me, writers. <laughs> what will you say? So that yeah, ultimately that was my week because Let's I had to still was. do go to both of my Inevitable. jobs. I had to check on. Well, I was about to say family member. Well, I adopted her, so I had to check on an elder family yeah, member. Serious drama for you to see. Um, New York City, we down bad as usual because we just had someone act like a, a Batman villain with the smoke uh, grenades and, and the shooting of people in the subway. Left all his shit behind in our fucking over-policed fucking city. Still couldn't get that bitch. Still Left cannot. all his identification. Right. Called the cops and was like, I'm over here. And still a jaunty New Yorker. Had to take that man. Into custody instead. It's, oh, it has been a stressful week. Agreed with Terrence. I mean, after... I feel like my emotions were all on display in the live as it was happening naturally. And I feel like one of the things that was so disruptive to my spirit, to my energy in the week was just how violent the whole occasion was. And the more I thought about it, the more it settled on me, especially when I watched the live back and, you know, pop that fucking confetti, like the authentic happiness. Mm -hmm. And then seeing as the episode progressed very quickly in the minutes, like we go from the kiss Mm -hmm. and we barely have time to sit in it. We don't even get to notice initially on the first wash that the implied smash was there because we were reacting as anyone would, like in a movie. Why you see a movie twice? Because you were having so much fun screaming that you're like, I surely missed a line. I have to go see it again. And the way we couldn't rewatch that shit. So I feel like to experience such high highs and then to go to such low lows, low lows. It's the way I have to honestly confess. I have to honestly confess that I have not went past the kiss in any version of a rewatch. You put it on uh, like moments ago. I said I'm going to the store. I'm getting me something to drink. No, no, no. I, I, I I shan't. I (laughs) shan't. I shan't watch. I shan't watch the things that were egregious. They are burned. They're etched in my retinas. I shan't forget them. And. Yeah, there, there shall be a, a penance for. There will be violent. a penance it's to very pay. Violent. Yeah, it's very violent, which led to the tears, shock, and I really couldn't believe. I even with all the many red flags, like I'm fucking. I don't know, like trying to go on some Tinder date, and I, a bitch has never downloaded Tinder, but you know, no, people no, no, talk no, about yeah, red yeah, flags, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you see them. It's like you're don't, like, don't swipe right on him. Right. No, 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 that no, not him. He's not. He don't know it. We saw the warning signs, right? And he, still, I hoped. I dared to hope. He doesn't know what the female gaze is. Dared to don't hope. Don't do it because years have passed, and Killing Eve certainly in season one seemed like a sign of better things to come, only to go out as a did so you know i couldn't even sleep the night the morning after which i sent a tweet some of y'all engaged with it because the shit affected me deeply deeper than i expected but you know that happens when you agitate old trauma which the queers have old trauma dealing with media and stuff like that and i feel like it took days for me to really interrogate what to go on and why i was so upset and what were the many reasons and layers to why i was upset to just try to hone in and isolate the various ebbs and shades of like the grief that was happening and there were discoveries to be made first off i would like to shout out 
of friends from our jaunty group chat. Yep. Oh my God, yes. That helped a bitch to process last weekend after we finished the live and we had messages there in this group chat checking in and being like, hey, hey guys. Hey, we're sorry. Mm -hmm. Hey. Lots of wonderful words and we ended up, I guess, chopping it up for hours on Clubhouse. Just working through the feels to decompress and work through everything we'd seen. And I have to say, there was a very clear sentiment about the finale and that was that it was simply cruel for queers and heads alike, really anyone who was watching the show, was that it ended cruelly and it hurt and it yes. felt cruel to the audience specifically, as well as cruel to the characters specifically, that the show was actually about. And one of the things that I, I don't know, I won't say took joy in, but you know, hearing people affirm thoughts you've had is always no, yeah. nice. Yes. And just listening to them talk about the end and how they felt, their own emotions. I wrote down a couple of the quotes that people said, some of our friends said, that I thought resonated that I wanted to share with everyone. And one of them was that the end felt like resentment. Mm. Actually, yes, because I could see someone as confined in their head, um, head dumb when they see characters acting so freely without a, without a cause to care about what's considered normal or a pro-pro where they get to behave badly and rarely, if ever, see any version of a consequence that can't be quickly uh, sewn and stitched back together. <laughs> and and so you see these characters living freely, killing freely, and you're like, you know what? I don't like the fact that you're freer than I'll ever be. So you know what? I, I mean... will I will escalate you. Is that was that the right term? Escalate you to the the next. Uh, we'll we'll get there. We'll, we will get <laughs> oh, there. Oh, the next right, round. The grad, right, right, right. Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, so that was a statement. And that was followed by saying they felt like Laura resented having to do the gay. That that's what it felt like. Multiple people said that, paraphrased that, that the kiss finally coming literally at the end of the episode, literally just moments before it's mm -hmm. all going to be ripped away from you. Felt like resentment. Another line was like resentment towards the queer fan base who made the show, mind you. And it's an affront. Direct quote, it's an affront. Imagine, oh, this is actually one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> Friend, you know who you are. Listening who said this, imagine the cognitive dissonance of acting like your shit is sweet with a 2.9 on IMDb. And right. it's a 2.7 now. It's a 2.7 now. Right. Facts. Right. Another one, you give me a boring season and then this, and then this. Many question marks. Mm. Oh, this is a, a gem. Makes me long for the days of season three. Things I never thought I'd say. That is, okay. <laughs> I feel, Facts. I felt like, and I said this in one of the preseasons, what if, and I'm mad that I, I, would say this i was like what if season four is here to make us put season three in perspective the same way how season three i thought was only here for us to put season two in perspective when i was like well i thought <laughs> seasons were supposed to follow the season before that to connect the story that because too. unless you're ryan murphy doing anthologies that's what you're supposed to do it's not supposed to be a whole new story every fucking season but whatever oh and this is a random one this last one I'll say, but it has to do with like the, all the references they were making to like Romeo and Juliet and Titanic and the water analogies. And it was felt that they shot it in a way that literally washed away the gay. Which considering, and this was mm. before they knew about the motherfucking article and what Lauda would say about baptism and mm. saying things that we will get to that exact quote later that makes it feel like, are you trying to say that the gay was washed, was washed away by the wow. river thames? Wow. That was just saying, the river. The river washed it away. Mm. Wow. And, and a lot of people uh, over there said that river ain't clean. They said that's like our Gowanus. Like they were telling me how bad, uh, I guess, badly kept 
themes is. So mm. weird. And they thought that there were some Titanic-like themes with how they had Villanelle and Eve in the water, but resented it because in Titanic, they have longer time to bask in their romance. Yep. Like you get a whole fucking section <laughs> of like, here's some jaunty art. Here's some sexy moments. Here's a kiss. Here's mm-hmm. a foggy hand mm-hmm. on the door. Put your hands on me, Jack. Before we get to the bullshit. And we also get the declarations of love. You're going to go on, Rose. you go going to die, old lady, in your bed. And we get none of that. None of that romantic shit that makes the the dying of, of Jack sad when you're watching it. But you feel a piece of something. Like you're like, I got the romance, though. I got that shit. This was only a two hour movie. Yep. But yet I got all this fucking romance that people still talk about 20 fucking years later. So, you know, in consensus, people in the chat agreed that the ending was worse than Game of Thrones and that it felt more personal. Yeah. That was why everyone agreed it was worse than Game of Thrones because it felt more personal than Game of Thrones. And they were right because I feel like in a certain kind of sense, I was already dead inside for the ending of Game of Thrones because I had already had so many disappointments, so many disappointments that really started in season one. But it was a slippery slope for book readers of season one. Just even the fact that Cersei was one of my favorite bitches, misandry bitches, and they completely erased her queerness from the story. Things that they did for Catelyn, things they didn't do for Catelyn, choices that they made with Sansa, whatever. By the time they get Masande, it was, a bitch it was, was a wrap, right? I, I was that like, Danny could just kill everybody. Yep. She could literally just be yep. like, Jogan, Jack Harris helped burn everything. And people everybody, had the nerve see, to be bitch, like, but I'd have been fine with that. They were like, I wouldn't didn't she go too far? No, she didn't. I'd have been like, actually, she didn't go far enough. <laughs> she didn't go That's far her main enough. Hope. How was she not going to kill everybody for her main hoe? But, well. What and is madness in her bloodline? Like if there was something to push someone over the edge, that would have been it. And it's also the fact that despite that, Game of Thrones did not have all of their great moving pieces for the final book in one episode. They had multiple things to sparse out, and they certainly right. did not wrap up all the characters, most of the characters, with a type of fullness people would have liked. But there was other things happening where you could be like, oh, that was cool. Well, I did like that one thing. I did like that shot over there. Where Killing Eve was like, nah, all these eggs in one fucking basket. Yep, they said, and I said they said a five minute basket no, at right, the end right at the fucking end and so uh, yes so concepts of it feeling more personal they really said we're gonna keep them separate again and that off who knows what right for right. the whole season and at least half of the episode and then give them both their literal happiest moments we've ever seen on screen yes only to rip it away in less than five minutes like less y'all than three said minutes. messy gays violent Y'all are... Unnecessarily cruel. Y'all said, we're going to have them treat each other like bitter exes all season long without telling us what went down. No, it wasn't important. In the interim. Right. Apparently it wasn't important. Because, right, by your direction, it was not important. But all everyone watching the show didn't know what was going on, didn't know which way it was up, didn't know why they weren't in closer proximity, didn't know why they were so... At odds with one another. The snacks and of proof. They the also of proof of didn't the know why it was then convenient for you to say all is forgiven or understood. Well, because Finally, nothing was actually eight. said. Like nothing. Ugh, look, oh, we need to I save those extra muses okay. right. for when we're recapping because there's too much. There's right. too much to go on. It is. This is the prologue. You're right. We're simply <laughs> talking about our feelings and not the many details of Killing Eve that <sighs> grief. They no. grief. Yes. So, naturally, outside of the piss pole, piss pole, plot given in treatment given to Eve, Villanelle, Carolyn, and the rest, what happened in the finale, of course, also aggravates the old trauma of barrier gaze, the trope of barrier gaze. And we all know what that is because we have all either been there before, mm-hmm. or unfortunately, you are a queer baby, a queer baby. 
experiencing it for the first time. Which is not an easy thing. Truly sending out hugs to all of you. Big hugs, who yes. Who are experiencing your first. And there are people fighting. They're fighting for your glory it and your rough. honor because you didn't deserve that. It's rough. And I'm sorry to say that, you know, this is a trauma that will likely last your lifetime. It, that's mm-hmm. how it goes. Just like your disappointment in Lauda will likely right. last a lifetime it because, won't get easier. yeah, everyone who was in charge of these characters and had an opportunity to do better and didn't, you're going to feel that shit. So I'm wondering, Terence Palastri, what was your first Barry, your gay moment, or just a queer story that impacted you, traumatized you in a way, similar way, to Villanelle that you perhaps feel was aggravated or just want to share with the listeners? Um, well... I don't want to say that this barrier gay happened as a way to not only fridge the character, but also advance the the, uh, the development of a particular character, because that is inevitably what happened. But then I had read some op-ed after the fact where this uh, writer was like, well, no, the original plan was to bring the character back. Mm. And I know that that's a lie. And they said, but then the character got booked. The actor got booked for other things. Because they found out they were dying. And so they went and got other work. And so they couldn't even write them back because their schedule wouldn't let them come back to do said show. And of course, I'm talking about Tara's character. Ah. I'm talking about the descent of of Willow Rosenberg Mm. tapping into the darkness because she needed a way to right the wrong that was the ripping apart of her relationship that was against everyone's will. A random stray bullet getting shot through a window and hitting hitting the queer conveniently. And it was like, but did you need to do that? That that was an unnecessary death. Now, there were some main deaths in the story that I didn't like or love. But with for that being, when you think of television at the time, you don't really have that many mainstream, in-your-face, queer, and it's more than coded. It's the, it's the text. Right. And of its time, it, it had to be one of the leading romances. It was on, significant. On, right. On but network t- television. I mean, we can literally count. Network television. Probably on five fingers. <laughs> no, no, yeah. <laughs> or less, like, those moments in the 90s where it was a big deal to have, like, a queer character. What was that show with the actress from Westworld? Uh, g- give me a second. You mean, wait. Evan Rachel Wood. Okay, she was in a okay. show when she was a teenager. And then she came out as queer. It was a big deal. Okay, 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 okay. She had that milfy mother. <laughs> That's not... Okay, 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 okay. That's horrible. Hang on. That's a horrible um, description. No, but... To help you. But no. it's not a yeah. lie. No, it's not. That's why I'm like, wait a minute. Let me get back to where I was at in the 90s. Oh, it was called Once and Again. That was the name of the show. What was that? It was, was on that ABC? A- it was on ABC. It was yes. ABC. Yeah, okay, okay. That's what it was. And the milfy mother was Seal Award. <laughs> Mm. I've always loved a good mouth at all ages. I really feel like, as we know, the Baroness Schrader. Right. <laughs> and let me not go off on that, on that. I'm being serious. But yes, Rachel Evan Wood was in that fucking role, just like Jodzia Dax of Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. R.I.P. R.I.P. But yeah, those are the ones I'm thinking of. Like, I'm like, it was very rare. Liz Moore. No, yeah. Uh, Babylon 5. Um, what was that? I want to say Talia. Mm-hmm. I still can't. Like, could you imagine? All right. <sighs> imagine if you will. Um, you're just going about your queer job, minding your queer business. And all of a sudden you are activated. Like someone's recalling. They're, they're, uh, you're asleep. You have a sleeper personality that's in you that wakes up. 
and you are now what you are now that new person. Every trace of what you used to be is gone. Out of here. So the queer, what queer? What's my assignment? Like, like I ain't got it. I ain't got it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There was so few in the situation. You can remember when it happened on TV, the rarities of like a will and grace, which was what it was. Sex in the City had their little parlay into look, the yeah. sapphic vapors. Yeah. We'll call it that. But, you know, things in the 90s that were very visible and then they would do a storyline and then it would like make the press and people would get upset and whatever. But so, yeah, Tara is the one for you. That is one that I'm quite sure resonates with a number of people from a certain generation. Yeah. Who were alive when Buffy was on in real time and watched that shit, loved that shit. Saw some representation in Willow and Tara only to watch that bitch get shot through the heart. Because heads aren't okay. You take love away from the gays. They sure do. But, yes. That's not the what end of What was that, like 2002? Uh, yeah, that like was that's around, yeah, 102. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they also tried to um, parlay their finale into a failed spinoff. Because... Of course, of course they would try to do that. Mm, mm, mm. And mm, mm, they were like, all about Giles. Let's hear about what Giles is doing. It's like, madness. but you're, but Ridiculous. you're a cheerleader, teenage wanted it. audience. Somebody wanted cares it. about what the librarian is I doing as a spinoff. No. I mean, I mean, someone definitely cared about what Giles was doing, but it wouldn't have been this bitch. And I love Giles, but come on, what are we doing? That's like me saying, I love Kim Bodnia as Constantine. So I would watch a Constantine spinoff. I don't know that I would. No, right. If y'all there was no jaunty bitch next to him. Y'all could have been better off doing at least Willow. I can see what she's trying to do. Grieving after losing her love. Her, her, um. No, that was a dumpster fire. As we know, the end of both Angel mm -hmm. and Buffy were dumpster fires, oh. which is why Oof. Joss can always catch these hands. Right. Honestly. And with, with all, all of the my things, ladies, those articles but... that came out about all the BTS drama that was happening around that time, yikes on bikes, you guys. Shame on, shame on whoever is letting people still get away with doing these things because why is no one in jail? I just. Wow. Well, law and order, or the lack thereof, is a whole other conversation. So I'm just going to let that question skip on by. And I guess I will go to my bury the gay troop. And it was interesting because, what is to say? I really had to think and be like, what was the biggest trauma? And I definitely know that the first queer stories that like really impacted me dramatically that were sad were things that were more dramatically leaning like Philadelphia where you know the oh, wow. ending of that Ooh. is gonna be that that came I saw that when I was very young naturally oh, yeah. with Tom Hanks and then with his health turning mid-trial I didn't like that well was... you know it's, it's about the age Ooh. situation and what was happening there and um, an important movie for the time because of the backdrop of the 80s oh, and yeah. Evil Ass Reagan Burn in Hell and what wasn't being done to help the gays that was suffering so in that time, I would say leading up to what is ultimately what I feel like I identified as the first one were other movies that made me sad, but they didn't traumatize in the way that like Villanelle has. Because, you know, it's Philadelphia. There was Gia with Angelina Jolie. Mm -hmm. It's very sad, very poignant performance. There was Amy and Jaguar. I feel like I've mentioned them. Maybe not on this podcast, but probably on Gentleman Jack. Because it's relevant there for historical quiz about okay. um, two women who loved each other in the time of Nazi Germany. 
from two very different backgrounds, as you might imagine. One is Jewish, one is German. And it, the ending is not, it's, I, I literally oh. sob every fucking time I watch it. And it actually is one of those examples of using the idea of connection and a kiss and what it's supposed to be, that it's not supposed to be this superficial thing that titillates. Ideally, it's something that continues the story of your characters and expresses what you want your characters to express, how they do it, which is why the Killing Eve kiss that Sandra and Jodie conjured was great. But Amy and Jaguar has a kiss that makes me cry. They have a love scene that makes me cry. And you know you gotta be dialing into the shit because the love scene isn't about whatever. It's about what it means in this moment for these characters and what they're expressing. And so I will put that in there as well as Boys Don't Cry. And the way that I can't rewatch that film, honestly, because it's just too much sobbing. Like Hilary Swank is too good at stomping your heart into the ground. The way that bitch is excellent at those movies. No, she is. Right. And it was my first, Brandon Tina in the early 90s was my first, like, I felt like really big thing for an age where I could really comprehend to be like, oh, the heads are fucking assholes even still. And they did this really violent thing, this really violent thing. And it ultimately took like, what, 10 years almost before the movie came out. Because I feel like that was like 91, maybe 92. I feel like it was 91. And then Boys Don't Cry came out in like 99, I want to no, say. No, yeah. Yeah. Because um, that was the same year Amy and Jaguar came out. And I was like, no! dead historical queers but these stories are these so stories important are, right right and so it was right. a different feeling it was a different fucking feeling of mourning that i was doing you know it was a type of beauty of being like hey these queers were in the world and they were trying to live as and themselves unafraid had a and problem with that had a fucking problem and you should know about them and spread the word but i think what i ultimately honed in on because i had seen a number of queer films so like the historical ones i just mentioned but then a number of jaunty ones in the 90s as i was doing my crawl through the libraries and different things to be like, what's queer? What's gay? What's out there? And you know, there was a lot of stuff to spoil me ultimately, like bound. Hello. No. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, one of the first, I believe, I'm not misstating this, that bound is the, ooh, I would have to check one on of, Desert Hearts, but they of. had one of the earliest in terms of having a, a coordinator, a an intimacy, oh, no, yeah. an intimacy coordinator. Shit. There was this book, lesbian, lesbian sex and Oh my gosh. But things like that are important and someone would have to care about the medium that they're depicting to want to have it be accurate. Yeah, the author was Susie Bright and I believe the book was Lesbian Sex World and the Wachowskis really dug it. They liked it and they sent her the script. And I think initially they were talking about some sort of cameo, having her do a cameo in the movie. And she said that she actually wanted to be involved as like a sex coordinator because she had taken issue with the way people mm. had shot lesbian sex scenes naturally if you've seen them and what ended up as a result was what we saw with Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly and Bound which <laughs> you know what's fucked up and I think I've said this before that we are nearly 30 years we are coming on 30 years soon enough for Bound and few films touch it in terms of what it brings like you know you've got the handmaiden no and I'd really, I mean I would have to yeah. marinate I would have to marinate on the different things that I think qualify for bound but it's always been like you just cut to the sex scene and it's like we here mm -hmm. bitches aren't worried about being soft they're worried about being lusty because that's what you should expect from what happened before but yes I feel like between bound but I'm a cheerleader you know it has a happy ending bound has a happy ending and thank goodness for that because Oof. There's also other ones like Go Fish. Uh, that's, whew, that's taking it back for anyone who's seen all the 90s things. High art, my lord. But you know, the gays were not buried in these films that I'm saying better than chocolate. Goodness. 
goodness. That's like 99. Um, mm. I feel like I'm forgetting one. Oh, Incredibly True Adventures of Two Girls in Love. Very old, very old film, but it was a cute film. So I had seen all these things, even if you take wild things. But Nev Campbell, which was, you know, now, yeah, pulpy, now, a pulpy right. sort of thing. But she was totally like she won in the end. Well, she had those. Yeah. She had the queer jaw, and she still won in the end. She was not buried. Spoilers if you haven't seen Wild Things. And then we get to 2001. Oh, and I should mention that this, of course, precedes the horrible blow that would come from losing Tara on Buffy the Vampire Slayer in 2002, which of course also affected me. Right. And 2001 was a very impactful year because that was the year of the 9/11 attacks. Yeah. In the fall, and two things would come in that I realized when I really thought about it that would have a lot to do with shaping aspects of myself. So you got 9-11, you got this film, and then a show all coming out within this year. And so the film, the film is Lost and Delirious. I realized it because mm. I saw that and I was excited to see it with Piper Parabo, up and coming talent and such. And a young, who's that girl from the OC? She also played a queer character, Misha Barton. Oh, okay. She was the youngest one in there. But I think up until that time when I saw this film, because of everything I'd seen before, you know, outside of the historical stuff or serious movies with some queer characters like Boys on the Side, that I generally had a positive experience with queer stories. It's like, okay, there's strife, there's arguing. Like, okay, you expect that in relationships before you get to the tragedy of Lost and Delirious. And, you know, I was naive, honestly. I've mentioned this to you because I'll never forget this line that was said in the film. We can never... Never, ever, ever no, be. right? Like, and so why you, you go into the that? film right. thinking it's a boarding school. You've had your own queer situations with girls in school. And so you're thinking, okay, girls that fall in love, they're in school, there's drama, maybe the teachers find out, maybe there's jealous boys, there's strife, but ultimately they stay together in the end. No, this movie is like the very definition of the bury your gaze trope in a certain kind of way. Ooh. And it's so fucking disrespectful because you have the girls who are in love in the movie, they're doing the sex. They have a roommate that comes in and she's like, what to go on? <laughs> what to go on in the night? <laughs> and they're like, happening. listen, it's gay. Go back to sleep, mind your business. And the movie is really cute for a large period of time. But you get to a point where it's like, the hats have discovered what's happening here. It's gay. And then one half of the relationship, played by Jessica, is the one to be like, oh, I'm on the head, John. Oh, this is over now. Oh, it's done. And she, they literally have a seat in the film where they basically have a last parting sex. And at the end, she's like, we can never, ever, ever be. So, ever, ever? So you say that after ever, the O? Ever, be. Well, she, it's, but here's the most inflammatory part. Outside of all this shit, and we got to watch Piper Prabo go down. She depressed. Of Naturally, she's acting the fuck out. She's craving scenes because the bitch is heartbroken. You know how it ends, Terrence? Trigger warning. Suicide. She takes the dive off of the top of the boarding school, commits suicide. But Ooh. what what was even the most ridiculous about that is that she had this like falcon that she was like helping mend the wing, and she's up there on the roof with the falcon on her arm. And so when she takes her her leap off the building, the falcon flies off her arm, and the shot of the camera is because there's a whole bunch of students, the girl that broke her heart, the fucking headmaster who has queer vibes, and what are we doing? They all look at the falcon fly off, and that's the final shot, is like a bird's eye view of the falcon flying, and you know, you see down at the people just like looking at the falcon fly off. So like, no like, one noticed no, the like girl it's, She's going to another route. It's giving oh. loud and kneel. Oh. It's giving mm. going to another realm. It's giving mm. you should find some joy. 
And the fact that this queer decided that there would never be love for them in the world. And so they had to throw themselves off this building. Look. <laughs> this um, manufactured <laughs> queer despair. It was horrible. It was horrible. It was painful. I went into that movie so hopeful. And it was not. You're a wanker number nine. It was not giving. It was not giving. You're a wanker number nine, as what would come years later. It was giving right now. Loud and Mm. It's giving a tragic end because it had to be. It was inevitable. But look at the Falcon. Look at look at look at the bloody celestial wings of Christianity. You know, it's. I was like, not this. <sighs> not two decades <laughs> later, and, and I'm a grown no. bitch, right? And yeah, remember old wounds. My right. heart fills about we can never ever ever be. Can you imagine watching that movie with a date? <laughs> no, <laughs> right. I, that's right. terrible. Exactly. And it was. It was like, well, depression, sadness. We are here. We are here. We are here. So that's what I think it was, because I was like, there's been a lot of disappointment since then. There's been a lot of death since then. But I don't know, like, I didn't cite Xena, which I'm sure people are like, you didn't say Xena, Candace. And it's because while I was very sad, I feel like I went into this and alive a little bit, while I was very sad, about Xena dying at the end of the series, they do it in such a way where it has its fantasy elements. I mean, the bitch is trading drops, droplets of liquid with Gabby at the end she's a ghost hovering with a bitch mm -hmm. as she sails off and so that's not to say that a bitch is alive but it just it left me with a different type of feeling and it was after five seasons of me getting mm. a whole lot of content no, 20 yeah. plus episodes yeah repeated declarations of I love you you're my soulmate yep. no one can ever separate us yep. no matter what life we go to we will always find each other we'll always be together here's ridiculous episodes in the future here's episodes in the past bitch it's you and so there was no there was no confusion there was no confusion about would Gabrielle find her in the afterlife the bitch she was literally talking to her ghost like, bitch, you're always going to be with me. And because of the world they set up, you like a bitch essence. It's really over there. It really is. Uh -huh. Because that's where she would be. She'd be like, I'm not just going to be floating in ether when I could be here with right. Gabrielle. So it was sad. And did I cry? Hell yeah, of course I cried. <laughs> Watching Xena go down. But it was more of a feeling of completion. Xena was the show that gave me let go and hold on. What do you mean let go and hold on? Oh, so <laughs> you could just possess the body whenever you want and just start fighting on behest? I was like, you know what? They're going to be all right. <laughs> yeah, it felt, I don't want to say inevitable because nothing is inevitable except mm. death mm. in a certain kind of way. But yeah, it was just, there was so much that I had with Xena and there's so much that I can rewatch. And because it sits in a certain way with me, I can and have rewatched it. Who knows how many times since it originally aired, I put it on randomly at will because it sits like that for me because ultimately she still remains one of the most formidable queer yeah. coded characters from my childhood, just like a seven of nine. So it sits, you're like, yeah, I'm watch this it's uh -huh. like a comfort food it's nostalgia it's it's everything you want it to be so that's why i just want to mention that's why i didn't say xena because i know xena fits the bury your gays trope but like i tried to say on the live how you bury the gay oh, will leave important. how you mm -hmm. feel because i know some people people who've watched blind manor i know there's a gay that is buried there but from what i understand that it's a different type of feeling and that completely has to do with the story the story that is being fucking told <sighs> That is it. Can I recommend Lost and Delirious? No. I honestly do believe it is one of the worst queer films ever made in the history of films. And that's saying something. I think it really has to do with the modern context because, you know, the fucking Children's Hour, motherfucking Audrey Hepburn. It's problematic. If anyone's seen it, you know what the fuck I'm talking mm. about. Along with a number of other movies in the 60s and some before, some after with queer coded characters. 
that are trifling. But to be in 2001 and be like, we can never, ever, ever be. It was inflammatory. That's true. No, it no, no. Was right. I expect to go back into the queer history and learn about film and see what Hitchcock was doing. We'll see what was happening over here in the Maltese Falcon and be like, oh, okay, queer coded motherfuckers. I see, I see, I see. What were you doing over here, Marlene Dietrich? I see, I see. Who has the first on screen kiss with a woman? I get it. Okay, these were the hate codes. These were the fucking violations and the things you yep. couldn't do in Hollywood. But to be in the new millennium, remember that whole shit? The new millennium. Who was right. that singer? The age Rob, after whatever the, fuck. the right. codes are gone. The codes are gone. The codes are gone. They've been gone for and, decades, and this is what we do. And you said, cheers to yesteryear of Tinseltown. That's what you said. That's what you did. And you didn't have to. This is what I was you raised You didn't have to, on. because honestly, enough enough of the incessant tragedy and invalidation of the queer existence after queers are finally granted the love in the story. You know, you can intellectualize all you want about it, but the hurt is real. The trauma is real. And the history of that trauma in media is as old as film itself. So heads are always trying to tell us what we deserve. While being and a I villain at the same time. Shut no. Death hack. Agreed. Por favor. Don't, shut don't, the fuck up. don't let them uh, narrate the story. They don't know the story. Oh, I was just going to say the show I didn't mention that was in 2001 that was also formidable to me was Six Feet Under. It started then. Yes. And it was apropos, you especially because the ending. bitch was grieving. Well, I mean, it's just, and I know that for Alan Ball personally, he was dealing with his own grief in his personal life that led to like the, the show and, and what happened there. But 9 11 was, was heavy. Being a New Yorker and right. dealing with just the many things, the anxiety of 9 11 lungs, all that fucking shit. So it was cathartic. I think Six Feet Under is cathartic for anyone who watches it because the very nature of death being in every episode. Makes you think about something profound, probably, every time you watch an episode. But to be processing those things in real time as an adolescent in the aftermath of this big, giant thing that would change my life, ultimately, it was good. And so it's like a contrast. Like, I got something really awful in Lost and Delirious and something really beautiful in Six Feet Under that would last for years and that I feel like would help change me as a person. And certainly it helped me process the grieving emotions that I was dealing with because the show was about processing grief. Like, you, you open the show and it's like, mm. boom, a major death in the family. This is how people cope. And it helped because it showed that grief is messy. Like, there's no one way to grieve. Like, no one, and, you know, to anyone listening, no one should tell you how to process what's happening here or whatever you're feeling with Villanelle. You fucking feel sad. It's okay to be sad. Right. If your appetite is waned, I know what that's like. Like, it's okay. I just always encourage and advise for people to be mindful of their health. Speak to people if you can to help you, but there's no one way to grieve. Right. And that was a show that really explored that shit. Like I said, I would recommend the show to anyone. I don't think it's a single person that watched Six Feet Under and not come out like a better person just because it helps you know you better. And I don't know that a lot of shows can say that. But yeah, that was the show to round it out. And thank God for Six Feet Under because woo, 2001 was a fucking doozy. Mm-mm. And honestly, this is why Picard is so important to so many people. I think and why I enjoy Seven so much because I've been thinking about Picard a lot lately. Well, this past week, past couple of days, not just because I'm having fun with the show, but really the juxtaposition of how I felt watching Picard versus the upcoming doom and actual ending of Killing Eve. Because it felt interesting. And so I decided to try and interrogate these emotions. And I've already described briefly on the live and to you just separately in life about how much fun I'm having right. with Seven, how exciting it's been for Seven of Nine to be back because it hits all the nostalgia from adolescence. And when I think about how instantly giddy I was when she first appeared on screen <laughs> and she's like, holy shit! 
Because really, it was that. It was that. It occurred to me, like, oh, is this what cishet boys feel on the regular? You know, when people get excited no, yes, about the yes. next whatever. Oh, look at Captain America doing anything. You know how we watched Endgame? And there was a whole lot of happy people. But I was one of the unhappy people because I was looking for my bitches to flex. And they said, Captain Marvel, do this one thing. Right. All girl team up thing. in this one thing. We know Carol could have handled Thanos right. by herself. Right. They didn't give Wanda enough to do. But people whose favorite person was Captain America, they have fun. No. People whose yep. favorite character was Spider-Man, they no, have no, fun. Right. They have fun. People whose favorite character, maybe they didn't have fun because Iron Man died. But still, you got no, to right. see him All those be dudes that do all right. those things. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. And so I'm like, this is what this is. This is what it is to have your childhood hero reprised in live action and you get to just be giddy and happy because you get to experience them again. How nice. How fortunate for the people who get to experience this on the regular. And then you take the fact that a character like Seven was queer-coded and held back by the patriarchy in the 90s and 25 of whatever years later, she's back on the screen in the gangster lean. And the queerness is now actual text. <laughs> Versus subtext, because right. Star Trek can do that. And more importantly, they have chosen to do it. Right. And then you have Killing Eve, a brilliant and subversive show like Killing Eve, whose roots in the beginning of the show are in subverting the male gaze. Unabashed queerness as embodied by Villanelle and misandry distilled. Thank you. Only to contort and distort that very identity, breaking all the old rules that was established by Phoebe Waller-Bridge to fit into a typical patriarchal subset of rules. And Terrence, this too was a choice. You see, choices. It's all about choices, to quote Eve Balastri. It's all about choices, writers. It's all about choices. <sighs> yep. You take Seven, who is pure comfort and happy feelings at this point. And it's really a jarring juxtaposition against Killing Eve in this time to be experiencing both at the same time. I was really hopeful about Killing Eve. I would have liked to just been jaunting into the feelings. Remember I told you I was going to play the song, We Are The Champions. Oh, and I was yeah. going to dedicate it to the Hets. Dedicate it to the Hets across the world. But did I get to dedicate that Hets? <laughs> no, because we are not the champions. No, we got fucking trolls. Listen, we, we got did. fucking no, trolls by a member of did. the Church of England. Because how else do you explain the question? But anyway, let me not. Let me not get off. Let me finish my fucking thought about seven. Right. So you have this juxtaposition I've been experiencing at the same time where I have the alleged, alleged, alleged death of a beloved queer character, a motherfucking icon, hashtag she lives, while I'm simultaneously experiencing the rebirth of another queer character. And I realized that this may seem obvious, but it really just confirms that 20 years later, characters that mattered, or 20 plus years later, characters that mattered intensely to you in your youth or just at all, at some point in time in your life, will probably still fucking matter to you several years later. Yep. So people who are entrusted with the legacy of such fucking stories should honor that privilege and not shit on it, especially when you're not even the one responsible for conceiving of the idea, of the story, of the character, of the property that people have come to love. And that's that's really, that's really my thesis statement there. For how I've been feeling this week as I've been mulling it over and why I was so agitated beyond the obvious was that I was experiencing Picard and having all these things and feeling like a kid again. And just literally, like a bitch has, I feel like, that's a, you know, I said, Two seconds. She has more than two seconds on the show. But it's not about her. It's about Picard. There's right. other things happening. The way I need a spinoff, CBS, spend the money. <laughs> um, it's just like, yo. So 20 years from now, I'm still going to think about Killing Eve, is what I'm saying. Yep. Because Villanelle will remain one of the most iconic queer characters ever, just like Azina, for me. Just like a Seven of Nine, for me. Just like a Root, for me. And so it's 
and those beats will be revisited in other media to come it's and it's like what pieces will you take but it's like can you even take pieces because when I was just thinking about a whole bunch of bitches I loved that are queer and dead <laughs> you know and I, I have different ways that I feel about these various queer characters and various properties but a lot of them are fucking dead no I just yeah. mentioned Root love the shit out of Root on Purse of Interest she died in the show it didn't leave me feeling as devastated in a certain way like Villanelle because again I think the writers were just a wee bit more sensitive with that they didn't give you the episode the same episode that were giving you all this stuff with Root and Shaw that were taking the bitch out now they certainly made it seem like Shaw was taking the fuck out and that was a potential bury your gay trope but then you find out several episodes later spoilers that a bitch isn't dead so it's fucked up. That's Let what I'm me. Saying. I'm gonna show Candace because I don't know if she got a chance to see. I'm gonna show Candace the video I was holding on to. The the video I wanted to tweet out when I would have gotten my happily ever after at the end after my villainy smash. Oh, this is uh, it's I want to say this is queer softball. There are more women than men than you would think that are there and it's a queer hitting a very jaunty home run. And when they make it to third base to get home, they decide to. To strut to home base. No, I saw it. No, yeah. I've seen that clip. Yes. It's a wonderful clip. I said, yes. where are the quiz playing baseball near me? No, no, because right. Because I would like to play and hit a home run. I will do it and strut my shit to home plate too. That's how you do it. But yeah, that would have been appropriate. Video, a meme, whatever to create, but we can't do any of that shit. We can't <laughs> celebrate any of that shit because we did not get what we needed and we didn't even get a smash on screen and I've still not have gone through enough snacks to find that. But you know, I went off, I feel like it was in between maybe series three to four in one of those postseason snacks or something where I go on about an off screen smash because I certainly brought oh, it up. I found it. A, I can show you where oh, that's at. Well, I guess TV <laughs> <laughs> on me bring that back but I surely has something to say yeah because I said what if they do that smash. and you said well first off fuck you right and like, and like, I remember oh, it oh yeah right. <laughs> right I did say fuck you right. because that was rude yeah no and then yeah. it happened and then it was like but if they do if they do then there was a price to pay to do that and, and a price to pay yeah as far making as making like, my threats back, you, back. yeah yeah <laughs> No, yep. because I felt away and, you know, not having the quiz make love, to use that phrase. On screen is actually a major issue. And not for any of the bullshit reasons. People like to say, like, that queer times, whatever that fucking shit was, isn't exploitative. It's exploitative to have two characters express their love on screen. It's exploitative to see queer love on screen. Is it? Is it? Is it? <sighs> you know what? Look, let's get into the case of Laura Neal. All right. It's time to get into one of these articles. Which one should we do first? I, I, we should probably do the most Ooh. inflammatory one. Oh, the vulture? Oh, <laughs> I was going to say decider. Oh, oh, the one where she's in. Oh, got it. Oh. Mm. The one where she says those things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So this article is entitled Killing Eve Series Finale. Showrunner Laura Neal breaks down the deadly and romantic moments. <laughs> huh. And it reads, after four seasons, that's a wrap on Killing Eve. But after finally kissing... For real, teaming up and wiping out villainous organization The 12, the show had one more card left to play. Specifically, Carolyn Martins gave up Villanelle in Eve's location and called out a hit. Villanelle was shot with Eve as collateral damage and Villanelle died as Eve watched. And then the end flashed on the screen as Eve floated in the Thames and screamed. Quote, we spoke about that moment of Eve bursting out from the water and screaming really early on in discussions about the ending, and really early on with Sandra. Showrunner Laura Neal told Decider, It felt really important to us that moment because it signals Eve's rebirth. And we really wanted a sense of her washing off everything that had happened in the past four seasons <laughs> and being able to begin again. 
but take everything that she has learned and everything that Villanelle has given her into a new life. End quote. Before the show decided not to go with the title and instead kill Villanelle, though, the duo went on a road trip towards their destiny, staying with an in-love couple in a cabin, sharing a sleeping bag, pissing on the side of the road, arguing over fries, and generally exploring what their relationship could have been like, if they had a relationship. But Destiny did call and the two headed to a wedding cruise, which secretly hid a meeting of the 12. While Eve stalled by officiating the wedding, Villanelle slaughtered the organization, effectively ending the overarching plot of the series and freeing both of them from the threat that has been hanging over their necks since the series began. Oh, did they? So why did Carolyn have Villanelle and potentially Eve killed in the final minutes? It's not explicitly stated, and some fans have speculated that Carolyn was the leader of the 12 the whole time, but more likely a key line in the finale between Carolyn and her prospective protege, Pam, points to the true answer. After dispatching her rival, Hugo, Carolyn and Pam sit on a bench drinking iced coffee and looking over the SIS building, home to MI6. Carolyn was fired from MI6 in the season four premiere, so Pam turns and asks, quote, feeling homesick, to which Carolyn responds, surprisingly, yes. But you don't go back to MI6 empty-handed. End quote. What do you get the spy organization that has everything? How about public enemy number one, a.k.a. the woman who just slaughtered an entire cadre of assassins in the middle of London, a.k.a. Villanelle? The show ends before we get a confirmation either way, but chances are Carolyn's path back to the Russia desk is all but assured. To find out what went into the decisions to end the show the way that it did, Villanelle and Eve's romantic relationship, and how it all ties back to the missing time between seasons three and four, read on. So now there's a question to answer with Laura. And Decida, and uh, you can read the questions and I will read the answers. All right, so we'll start with... I want to work backwards, if that's okay with you. Why is the interviewer British? Okay, fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> then he is not British. Okay. I want to work backwards, if that's okay with you. Wow. I don't She's know what's not worse. British. I don't know what's worse. How did Whatever. you arrive at that Whatever. final shot with Eve screaming in the river? The start, <sighs> the end letters on screen. Laura answers. We spoke about that moment of Eve bursting out from the water and screaming really early on in discussions about the ending and really early on with Sandra. It felt really important to us that moment because it signals Eve's rebirth. And we really wanted a sense of her washing off everything that had happened in the past four seasons and being able to begin again, but take everything that she has learned and everything that Villanelle has given her into a new life. We really wanted to get that scream right. We wanted it to be a scream of re-entry into the world rather than a scream of like, just of loss or anger or fear or any of the other things that are in that scream. Huh? The way that sentence doesn't make sense. I think that's what comes across. No, it does not. And I hope that what people take from that is kind of like almost like a raw scream of survival rather than anything else. I thought personally um, despair, I guess. But I, I compared I, it to that scream in the mist. No, yeah. When you he did. loses everything, you did. including his only child. I didn't get relief or renew, rebirth. I didn't get any of those things. Did you feel that the way that you wrote Eve Palastri, that Eve was deserving of a rebirth of this nature, Laura Neal? That would have been my follow-up, but I'm not Whatever. the interviewer. Right. This interviewer was not jaunty enough. So the next question. <sighs> Villanelle dies. <laughs> Eve is left alive. Where are the other possibilities you uh, bandied around that in terms of who would die and who would live? Yeah, every combination of who dies, who lives. You can imagine that we talked about, we talked about both of them dying, we talked about both of them living, we talked about Eve dying and Villanelle surviving, and we gave those endings real discussion and real thought. 
<laughs> I call bullshit. And Agreed. I think I even wrote some of them. You think? Either right. you did or you didn't. Right. The answer she I did. don't forget what I write. I think means no. No, right. But this version of the ending really came from the loads of discussion with Sandra and Jody. Why is she always co-signing these hosts? No, this is what I'm saying, right? <laughs> She's always co-signing you, you them to the fuckery. Me. You can ask them. You know who you know well, who see, Laura Neal is in this article? It's been radio silence. From she's she's them since the right finale, now, so. Laura Neal, in my mind, is Carolina. And she is twisting her ring while she's answering. But continue. Uh, well, and this version felt like the most truthful version <laughs> of an ending that we could come up with. Well, that says a lot about your talent and lack range, of range, right? I'm afraid. Okay. Mm. Mm, what range isn't there? If you look at their trajectory and you look at where Eve and Villanelle began at the start of season one and you mm-hmm. look at where they were at the start of season four. <laughs> uh, uh, again, you, you put you, wait, them there, love. No, she did put them there, but she continues. And you track them through season four. Track what, bitch? But, that's, but again, <laughs> that's what you did. No, she did it. It felt right to us. <laughs> But you, but you did season four. Woo! So if it didn't feel right and you didn't want to kill a bitch, you could have did the trajectory differently in season four. You could have done that. But she continues, it felt right to us that Eve survives and Villanelle dies. But dies in a way that feels, I think, triumphant for her. But Because she achieved something that she wanted to achieve at the very beginning of season four. In the moment of her death, which is to do something good. Now, I'm confused. What the fuck? I thought I saw pictures of Villanelle at the homeless shelter. I thought Villanelle had clean stains that Barbara should have cleaned. That's doing something No, no, good. no. Right. That I is. I thought she was giving cookies to the children at We're, the hospital. Right. I saw lots I saw of the photos. photos. I saw the right. photos. I saw For them. seven months. Right. But I guess she didn't do anything good. She hadn't done anything good until that moment, apparently, that she thought was good. Next question. When about the choice to have Carolyn call the shot there? Why was it important to leave her in this place? Carolyn becomes so entwined with Eve and Villanelle's story that she's become such an important character in the show. Right? In fact, at the end of the show, she became more important than the characters themselves. Right, she got her own spin-off. That's how important she She is. It felt really right that she was behind the ending in some way. We love the idea as well of Carolyn being someone you can never quite get to grips with. Even when you think you know her, she'll go and do something that surprises you. So to have her be the one who's given the order at the end to shoot at Eve and Villanelle felt like a final nod to Carolyn's unknowability. Oh, I know a bitch. She is an agent of the patriarchy. But anyway, she finishes, I suppose, and we just enjoyed the idea as well of her clawing her way back to power and status and being a cyclical journey for her. So wait, wait, wait. Why why do you give Uh, Carolyn... Wait, wait, wait. Why is it? Why she get to be cyclical? Why, wait, why does she, she gets to get be to do the clawing her way back to power and status and not an Eve Pulaski or not a Villanelle? Because Villanelle, Eve has been left with nothing at the end of more than one season. She really has. And then she somehow comes into money, comes into a man that is paying for her hotel. Y'all keep saying this with her own money. I have yeah, yet to see whatever. a W2. They tried to give She's us a job at the taxes. end, but whatever. No, Eve whatever. doesn't work. She's been living, I, don't, I was about to say living off of the fat of the land, but no, she's. <laughs> That's gone. No, that's good. No, no, you're right. Well, those worms over there. But, like, what I mean is, Eve has clawed her way to get to the revenges that she has dedicated her ebbs and being to. Her passion in life was to take down this thing that has disrupted her peace. So you're telling me someone like Eve Palastri can't claw her way back to power? And even if we entertain your ending that you made, 
Mm. You don't think that there's an Eve Palastri who's going to build herself back up to take out Carolyn? I don't you even know that... she got a bill. She just got to get out of the water. No, no, right. No, right. <laughs> and according to Laura, she does. So, so why is it was it important for you to show? Oh, but this is showing Carolyn needing to get her entry back into MI6 for Queen and Country and for all the heads. I'm gonna tell you. We the didn't truth. need that. I'm gonna tell you the truth, which is, I guess, my truth because this is what I think. I think. It is normal for writers to have favorite characters, people that they prefer to write for, people that are their faves. And I think it yep. is extremely obvious that Eve was Phoebe's favorite character, as evidenced by her jaunty request in pursuit of Sandra O. Oh, because that is who she conceived as Eve, and this concept was built around her. And then, of course, Jody matching that energy and that mm. range and that audition. I think Emerald probably equally loved all her hosts because it kind of yeah. shows. And that would be much to the chagrin of other people because they would have wished there was potentially more emphasis in a certain place but again Emerald season it's, nope. it is yep. elevated yep. people it talk is. that shit but no slander for Emerald at this time not really I think Suzanne it's obvious that her favorite character was Villanelle and then she and said and Laura's favorite character this is what I'm getting to is Carolyn and the show suffers because of it because if your favorite character or characters aren't the main two it's gonna show and it oh, did yep. in series yep. 3 and 4 series 3 had its groceries but ultimately it was not a big fucking mess like if you look at the bullshit Suzanne did she did some gay bullshit which was Maria the Spanish wife here's yeah. a joke here's some foolishness to get us back in a fucking show it wasn't the cloister two episodes and then the aftermath of the cloister was in another episode because of course Villanelle goes to jail and she's mad Eve about it and Suzanne she's like Villanelle got a wife and she's gone in five minutes on to the next and that's mm -hmm. it she's like here's a laugh ha ha it was kind of annoying but it was also kind of funny to Queer be like Villanelle not comedy. you married right mm. right so I'm just saying there were choices to make 